1: And a pleasant good afternoon uh, out there in Irish Breakdown land. I am Vince D'Addario. I am the football analyst here at irishbreakdown.com. And with me, as always, is that guy right there. That is Brian Driscoll. He's the publisher at irishbreakdown.com. He is joining me uh, on our Monday podcast. And and today, what we do on Mondays is we are going to talk about the Brian Kelly press conference. We're going to break it down, uh, just kind of react to some of the things that he said. Some interesting things that he said today. Mm -hmm. And then we are going to kind of take a trip around college football and and talk about some of the games that were, you know, highlight some of Notre Dame's opponents, things of that nature. Again, just a crazy day of college football. And it
2: wasn't supposed to be. There was like not really (laughs) that many good matchups. And the couple good matchups that there were, like Notre Dame's game was, you know, kind of an ugly game until Notre Dame just blew Wisconsin off the mat. To Arkansas dominated Texas A&M for four quarters. It was some of the other games, maybe that people didn't anticipate, that I thought were the most entertaining.
1: Sure, sure. And I, I I'm, I'm kind of keeping an eye on the, the chat over here. We're not really talking about Notre Dame and Cincinnati today, but guess what? The next four days are all Notre Dame Cincinnati. So uh, I see your questions. I see, I see you guys over there. But today's show is more about the press conference which will be a little bit Cincinnati and then uh but more more about Wisconsin and then uh college football as a whole not necessarily Notre Dame. So just so everybody's aware that's kind of how we do Monday shows. Uh, but we will we will get to it if we can. Uh but anyway, Brian, Brian Kelly press conference. Let's talk about some of the things that he brought up. First let's talk quarterbacks cuz that's the headline, mm-hmm. right? Um yeah. he he did bring up quarterback play or right. and he was asked about quarterback yeah.
2: play a lot yeah first of all he said you know obviously with jack cone it's 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 sort of what we talked about you know yes he cleared well i, I don't know if we talked about the show but i definitely talked about it yesterday i don't know <laughs> so many people going i know I, I
1: know
2: so basically jack went into the locker room got x-ray and everything looked good on the x-ray that's why they came and had him but come back out and throw to see how he felt and he couldn't go Because sometimes an x-ray can be clean, but the pain is there or the the structure isn't sound, you know, and you feel it, you know, in your body, if you can feel it, like, like, you know, I've played with a a really bad ankle injury one time, Uh, we were actually playing at Chawan College, and it was my first career start and first quarter I got my ankle rolled up on bad, I had to come out for two plays. And I was like, look, I got enough adrenaline right now where it's structurally sound. Now they taped it up and I can still drive off of it. Jack's situation was clearly he couldn't drive off of it. Yeah, exactly. And, and so he may, st- you know, Brian Kelly said X-rays came back good, but they really aren't going to know. And he alluded to this. They aren't going to know till they get out on the practice field and see how he can right. handle a practice. He said that if, uh, if if Jack is healthy, he's a starter. And and that's should be it's how it should be at this point in time. If Jack plays, he's going to have to keep continue to get better and get back to being the guy that he was the first couple games more than he was, you know, at stretches of the last couple, but uh, he mentioned that Tyler Buckner said he felt good. So there's some optimism that he'll play, but again, it's same with him. It's going to be about, let's see how he feels once they get out on the field this week. He said, if Jack can't go, drew pine is the starter and Tyler Buckner would play, which is exactly what we've been saying all summer. All along. Tyler Buckner is the change of pace quarterback. Drew Pine is the number two quarterback. Meaning, if something happens to Jack Cohn, Drew Pine's the quarterback.
1: Right. And that's and always that's what, been the plan. Right.
2: That's yeah. what Brian Kelly, for now. Now, I mean, again, end of the season, Tyler may well, be ready to take over. Who knows? But right now, fine. Drew yeah. Pine is the number two quarterback.
1: And that's, I loved everything about the uh, the announcers. Uh, you know, Gus Johnson and Joe Klatt, I believe. Uh, I loved everything about, I'm sorry? Joel. Joel, excuse me. Uh, I loved everything about what they did. I, Gus Johnson gets me fired up as I'm watching. Thing. I mean, his call of the Tyree, uh, you know, kickoff return was unfreaking believable. The only thing I didn't like is that they kept calling Drew Pine the third string quarterback. That's it. It's the only thing I didn't like because it was well, people a little in the mism- Notre Dame media call him the
2: third string quarterback. Just, so,
1: like, come on, people. Like, you get the depth chart every week. He's been second on the depth chart every week. We talked about the fact that Tyler Buckner gets a package. I mean, it's it's so clear as day. But anyway, I, it doesn't take away from anything that that, right. that Pine did. It, uh, he did a great job. But yeah. I kind of half expected him to do a great job because I think he's a good quarterback. So, right. um, so anyway, that's the only thing I didn't like from from that game. Notre Dame football is finally back and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Notre Dame tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all Notre Dame tickets. TickPick got rid of all of those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge which lets them guarantee the best prices on all their Irish tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. The Irish are back home this Saturday for a top 10 showdown as number 7 Cincinnati rolls into town for one of the biggest matchups of the season. I'll be there to watch the Irish and the Bearcats. Will you? Just visit TickPick.com slash Irish today and use the promo code Irish and save $10 on your first order of Notre Dame tickets. Again, that's tickpick.com slash Irish and use the promo code Irish and you'll save ten dollars off your first order of Notre Dame tickets.
2: The other thing that he mentioned was that you asked about, you know, the sacks and how the quarterback can play a role in the pressures. And I again I thought he put too much on the quarterback. And again, we we have something on the Irish breakdown message board. Where we put all six snaps and he talked about how the ball's got to come out quicker and and there are times for that I didn't feel that was the case Saturday and you and I talked about this there was one play where not that the ball's got to come out quicker but he's got to climb the pocket and go right on all the plays where he was sacked it it, it was pressure either got to him quickly or they were pressure got late because they were third and long situations third and goal situations where uh, I'd have to go look at the sacks I I think at least two or three of them were on third down on and third and longs yeah that's something that you know run the ball better and you're going to be able to be more effective on third down and throwing the football. So, you know, to me, he talked about how Jack Cohn needs to get the ball out quicker. He needs to be more decisive. And that's something that that I agree with Coach Kelly about. Um, I think that that was something that made Jack so good in the spring, made him so good in fall camp, made him good in the first game of the year. And, and even at times on Saturday, I mean, early in the game, if you go back and break it down, Vince, when they were running stuff where there was intermediate to short throws, he was catching that thing and getting it out quick. Right. Then the run game starts faltering and they start getting in second and 10. And, you know, then the sat you'll get you, now all of a sudden you're in third and 15 or right. it's you know, second and eight, because you went for, you know, plus two, then you throw and you're getting sacked on second and second and eight, you know, those type of things. It's still the sacks that are problematic. And yes, there are things Jack needs to do better in there, but it's still going to come down to the offensive line playing better. Absolutely. And that's going to be the key. But yes, it's what we talked about yesterday. Coach Kelly kind of alluded to. He didn't say this, but you and I talked about how Jack's not getting the ball out as quick because he is anticipating pressure.
1: He can't do that.
2: He can't do that. That's right. on him. We're, That's we agree him. with that. We agree.
1: Yeah. Look, I I still think Cone should be the starter if he's 100% healthy. And, and I'm again, seeing the chats over here, yeah, if he's not 100% healthy, you don't start him. I have no, no problem with that whatsoever. He needs to be 100% healthy. And we won't know the answer to that until Thursday when we hear the press conference. Basically – we are a source or something. Can,
2: can we – I want to elaborate on what you just said, Vince, and Please. what we've been saying because I, I think that you and I say something that we understand to be true that maybe we're not we're not explaining correctly. We're, we're, we're talking coaches, and when we talk about 100% healthy as a player, it's not that he feels perfectly fine like he's on the first day of camp. It's about right. do you have the 100% mobility that you had. You can have full mobility and still be in pain. Sure. Sure it's it's about is the pain causing your so when we say 90% we're not talking about he has no pain we're talking about is the pain causing him <clears throat> to be 90% of his mobility right that's the that's the that's the what we refer to so when we say healthy we're not necessarily saying jack can't feel any pain if he feels any pain on saturday you bench him that's not what we're saying we're talking about when that pain becomes a hindrance to you moving at a certain speed that's right. what we mean when we talk about a, a football player being healthy uh, or 100% healthy or 95% healthy. It's not mm-hmm. evaluating the d- degree to which his body has healed. It's the degree in which he can play through the pain at a certain, right. a certain speed. I just want to make sure that yep. when, people, when people when we say that, that people understand what we mean by healthy. Because he's going to have pain on Saturday. You don't go from not being – your your ankle being too sore or too much pain to play on this Saturday – to all of a sudden you feel no pain a week later. That's not what we're talking about. He will feel pain. It's about does it prevent him from moving a certain way. Right. If he can't move, that's so when we say if he's not 100% healthy, if he's not moving around the way that he was pre-injury, then you have to go a different direction, especially against a a front seven. That's not great. They have one great edge rusher, but Notre Dame's made several not great defensive line look great. Yeah, that's that's a concern. They have, but I, but
1: I, I will also say, just to play devil's advocate, they've also taken some, they've made some pretty good edge rushers not impact the game like they could have. I, I will say that.
2: Yeah, but I think at the expense of other things. That's fair. So, like you know, last week they chipped on George Karloff this a lot, and they did some things. I think that hurt the offense because again they weren't able to get guys out. Saturday they did some things with two tight ends and such, and and. And it's not a coincidence that the more they started to go to this big personnel and they've started to keep tight ends up more on pass, pat, you know, in pass protection, all of a sudden the pass game's not as good. Sure. I don't think it's a coincidence. Right. And so I agree with your your sentiment that they're doing that, but I don't think it's necessarily a positive. Right. Because it's taken away. The fact is, is when you have to do that with your line, it's going to hurt you. But we're, we're going to see, we're going to see how how this looks uh saturday you have to sure. and to me it's about a balance you know finding a balance and, and we're all about you and i are both all about mixing up personnel and i'm okay going seven per, seven seven man protections at times it's just <clears throat> i would like to see like what we were seeing from from time on saturday we're seeing a lot of play action a lot of times play action isn't necessarily about set you know fooling the defense it it is to a degree but it's also about setting a protection there are certain protections you have that are play action protections and that's really what you're looking to do uh, regardless of how much fooling you get. Sure. I would like to see Notre Dame, however, still do some things where they actually do some play actions where maybe it's a deeper play action where you can, you know, maybe, maybe go some pistol and get some downhill and maybe do like a half roll or do a play action and you have Jack Cone roll. I think those are some things that number one can change the launch point. Number two, can, 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 protect your quarterback a little bit more. And then number three, give him a little bit more time to, to go. But you know, those are things that when, when Brian Kelly talks about, you know, get the ball out quicker. Yeah, that's one thing, but there's a lot of things that have to get affected. So I don't go down that rabbit hole. We'll talk plenty about that during the week as we break down the game.
1: Absolutely. And and we'll talk about, you know, what happens if so-and-so starts and all, we'll talk about all of that stuff. I promise you um, sparkling Swan. I see you got a comment in there about pine starting and, he plays well. Do you keep him as your starter, etc.? You know, Cohn is the starter, right? And I don't. If he, if that's hard to say, I'll, I'll throw the question up here just because I, I brought it up. Yeah, that's on me. because
2: it fits what we're what we're talking yeah. about. That yes. is a that is a bold take, and honestly, so let's say I, I think we'd have to determine what we mean by well. Does he complete 62% of his passes for 230 yards and manages the offense and they win 24 to 20? No, I'm not making a quarterback change. No. If Drew comes out and looks like he completes – well, remember how Ian Book looked his first start against Wake Forest? If Drew Pine comes out and looks like that, okay – Hey, Jack, let's give your ankle another week to eat. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then get into the bye week and figure some stuff out. I mean, sure. And it also partly in, in, includes what make, made him play well. As a coach, you have to determine, yeah, Jack could have done that. Or something, I you know what? Like, he's giving us an, like, okay, so when we, we didn't like, Back going back to 2018, you and I—I I know you and I were not working together at the time, but uh, people know we've been friends a long time. We talk football all the time. Yep. We didn't like how they handled the, the Brandon Wimbush to Drew to, to Ian Book scenario because basically for two games they ran an offense that was designed for Ian Book and it was setting Brandon Wimbush up for failure. Okay, so that that was something I didn't like. But when they made the change, the offense was generated towards Ian Book, right? And the, the thing about that scenario was that that you look at like this one, to me, it's, it's on one hand with 2017, 2018, the offense just was completely flatlined. And a lot of it had to do with the quarterback's inability to run the offense that they wanted to run. This year, it's a completely different situation, right? Having said that, When you watched Ian Book take over in 2018, clearly the offense was working way better than it had in the previous three games, right? I mean, against Wake and against – I mean, it was – okay, it looked so much different. Sure. And it was noticeable that, like, okay, we didn't like how they got there, but if you were going to run that offense, then that needed – Ian Book needed to be your quarterback. And you can see how much better Ian Book ran that offense. So, to to make a short story long – if you if you get Drew Pine in there, and all of a sudden there's just things that you're able to do that you couldn't do before, and your offense clearly is just clicking more, then you do have to sit down and make those tough decisions. and And we're not denying that. And and I think you and I both agree. If I speak for you, if I'm speaking for you incorrectly, please correct me. But I think you and I both set, believe that there's an oppor- there's a chance that if Drew Pine starts this weekend. He could look so good that we have to have this conversation. What? But he'd have to look really good and the offense would have to move it away where you're like, Yeah, we haven't seen that from Jack.
1: Yeah. And do I consider
2: and I, that, in my it, opinion.
1: In in the way I see it playing out is if 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 Pine has the kind of game that you're talking about, I think that the offensive line will have taken some massive steps forward. And if they do that, well, what happens if Cone was back there behind a massively improved offensive mm-hmm. line. You know what I mean? And I think that all needs to be taken into account. If, See, if in Dr- my
2: scenario, I wasn't necessarily referring okay. to that. I was, I was reading the
1: yeah. question there, and it yeah. says, Pine starts, O-line plays well. Yeah, That's the big one right. for me. Is I don't right. know that that will be the case. And if it is the case, I think either one of those guys could be successful. Now, yeah. Pine is – Running for his life, but he's still making plays. He's getting right. outside the pocket and he's keeping his eyes downfield and he's finding guys and he's hitting deep.
2: Then we have that conversation. Or he's just not getting skittish when the ball get cut when the pressure comes. He's getting the ball out quickly. He is doing I mean, so that's a that's a thing I look at. Um, you know, that's the thing I look at when I say that. I, I want to address something here real quick uh domer Grizz says the ib article listing the depth chart for cincinnati did not include a second string left tackle is that how it's listed on the depth chart from notre dame or is it a simple oversight i know we're thin but dang no that's how it's listed on the depth chart because there's an or on the first team right so it's michael carmody or tosh baker so whoever the other or is would be the second tight end so i'm not going to repeat on the second one it's you know if it's michael Carmody or Tosh Baker on the first line. I'm not going to then repeat that on the second line. There's another position where that's the case. So like, I have Xavier Watts listed as the second team rover, not Isaiah Pryor, because Isaiah Pryor's up on the first line as an OR. Yeah, right. Without me, and they don't list a third offensive tackle. Now we all know it's 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 Joe Alt, right? Yes,
1: because we saw it on Saturday.
2: But Joe Alt's also listed as the backup right tackle, so I'm not going to have him listed as the backup left tackle and the backup right tackle. Because and 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 people do teams teams
1: do that and it. It's a little ridiculous. You're just yeah. filling it in with the same. I just want to be clear guy. so people
2: understand that, you know, that, that that's kind of how that's kind of how it's mentioned. So if there's like an or to position like that, uh, I, I at times I won't put that guy on the second team because it's just assuming whoever's not in the game right. from the first team is that is that guy. So hopefully that clears that up. Uh, but he also talked a lot about the offensive line, Vince. And I'll, I'll tell you, he didn't say anything negative about the offensive line. He said, you know, things that you expect to coach that we got to play better and and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He made one comment I didn't like at all, but his overall tone was very, very like unhappy and not unhappy at the media (laughs) for asking about it. Because we've seen that. That that wasn't it. It really wasn't that. It was more of like a, yeah, guys, okay, I get it. They're not playing well, right? He mentioned that the right side has been assignment correct, and he said the left side needs to be more be more consistent and, and assignment correct like the right side. And I'm like, if the play on the right side is your standard, this is not going to be a fun year. But I, I do think I get what he was saying. I, a lot of the run-throughs have happened on the left side. True. But, but there's been some where Kane Madden's let guys run through as well. And he talked about how Jarrett Patterson's got to kind of bring it all together and stuff like that. But uh, for me, it, it boils down to at least. And he said, "Look, play, coach." He said everybody's got to get better. He talked about. He said, "You know, the quarterback's got to get better. The running backs have got to do better." And then he said, "You know, they've done a, a great job in Pass bro, and all that." But you know, receivers and. He, and, and but he did say, like the the coaching coaching got has the coach has got to get better. And he didn't like. He, he said I mean, like, he's not going He'll never right? say he individually. Nor 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 does he necessarily have right. to. Right. If he simply says, hey, look, we got to do a better job of getting these guys prepared to play at a high level and execute at a high level, we all know he's talking about it. He doesn't need to say, Jeff right. Quinn's done a crappy job <laughs> getting these guys where he's got to do But I don't need him to say that. It would make it would everybody in the chat real right? happy. But it would undermine Jeff Quinn's authority with his players. Yeah. Right. He needs to sit there and say, because he needs to sit there and say, look, this is not – and he kind of talked about the standard and then needing to play to a standard. So there were some things that I said that if Brian Kelly's admitting that publicly, I got to think he's having some very harsh come to Jesus conversations with Jeff Quinn in, and the, so. in the offensive staff privately. So uh, that was a positive. I, I liked that coming out of this, out, out of this press conference too, Vince. And um, he talks, he, he said, Sibo Flemister is going to be back this week. It, it okay. Oh, gee, four games. And all of a sudden mm-hmm. he's miraculously back. Amazing. Um, uh he, he did uh, last thing i want to uh, talk about he talked about good justin and jason out of mule of ben which you know shocker we all see that he <laughs> right. talked about the penalty that that he got against since yeah. against we didn't talk about him. this he did yesterday. not talk about that and i want to talk about that absolutely i want to know your opinion on his Vince, because i have zero problem with brian kelly a the penalty there no we, no, we, no we meaning not the refs flagging him i mean him taking him yeah him doing that because uh, he so, yeah, I, look, you were we, there. So explain yep. people what happened because it doesn't show up on TV. Right. And I
1: didn't see it happen. Uh, so I had to ask the guys around me. I said, you know, what was he what was he so upset about? Well, what happened was Brian, uh, Kyle Hamilton was on the ground and he was just getting his butt whooped on the ground by two Wisconsin defenders. And they were kind of, you know, leaning on him and and messing with them and, and you know, trying to take out their best player. I mean, let's be honest. Let's call it what it was. Um, They know who Kyle Hamilton is. He was playing special teams. That's a chance to take some free shots at a guy that you don't normally get an opportunity to take free shots at. And they were taking those free shots. And Brian Kelly came to his defense, and he reamed the official about that particular situation. And he's—he basically was saying, "How can you let that happen to my guy and not call a penalty?" And he got up in the referee's face, and they called a penalty on him. I loved it, absolutely loved it, because it shows that Brian Kelly's got his guys back. It shows yeah. that he's a player's coach, and he's not going to yep. let that happen. And yep. I love—it's like second when a
2: basketball of official takes a tech, exactly. Like. I, I'm good with it. He's, right. He had to do. I mean, based on what I was told happened, he, he 100% needed to get a penalty there. And I saw him going off on the ref, and the ref looked at him and said, We have to. And it's like you're saying, We have to throw that flag. You came in on the field. We have to. I mean, that's the rule. We have to. That's fine. Sure. And Whatever. Okay. But I don't think Brian Kelly gave a crap about the flag. No. Brian Kelly's like, Okay, flag me, but then flag those guys too. Exactly. Because you're absolutely right. It, it was happening to Kyle Hamilton for a reason. Mm-hmm. that's their best player and and wisconsin i don't want to call wisconsin a dirty team but let's just say they border on playing past the whistle a little bit more than they should
1: well look that was a dirty play i mean that yeah. was a dirty situation yeah. i mean call it what you want i mm-hmm. th- that was dirty like yeah you, come on man like you're really going to take advantage of a guy who's on the ground like that that, that that's that's terrible um and I don't like that kind of play I've never coached my players to do that kind of nonsense I think that's ridiculous you know beat him up in the whistle you know between the whistles but when he's on the ground like
2: that okay lay on him whatever but don't do that extra stuff (laughs) Brian Kelly's comment today was phenomenal though he goes apparently they felt they needed to throw a flag on me for them not officiating that correctly he savaged the officials I love that I love it which I thought was awesome uh, I mean, and, and and to me, like I said, I don't care if he ran to midfield and got a, mid, a penalty on that. Like, right, you have to have your players back. Yes, you have to. Yes, and and, and absolutely. And, and the players see that, and, and it maybe like, hey, you know what? I don't like coach, or you know, maybe we don't agree on things, or because every coach has players that don't like them. But if the kids think that you have their back, they don't care if they like you or not, or if you right. hang out together away from the <laughs> field or not. It's like, look, That's coach right. has my back. I'm gonna go do what I need to do. Yep, that kind of thing can absolutely rally a team, in my opinion. And so I, I loved that. And, and when did that happen? Do you remember when that was? Oh,
1: I don't remember exactly when it was. Uh, but it wasn't. It wasn't like when Notre Dame had a commanding lead or anything. I mean, it wasn't towards the end. Yeah. It was earlier than that when the game was still, you know, in doubt. I'd um, really
2: like to look and see when that happened and the correlation between when that happened when Notre it. Dame started beating the crap out of out of Wisconsin. So I am very curious about that.
1: Yeah, I gotta, I gotta try to find it. I, am uh, There's got to be a way to find the penalties, right?
2: Yeah. Anyway, I, I'll, I'll look for it while we're talking. Uh, I have this friend of mine who literally calls me every day during the show. And I tell him every day, dude, I do a show from 1230 to 130 every day. And every day he still calls me at like one o'clock. And I'm like, come it. on, man. I love it. I love it. So anyway, um, but yeah, I, I had no problem with that. I, I, I liked that he did that. I, I thought it was great. I thought it was great. Because, you know, sometimes like a coach can get a penalty. Like, dude, you got to be more disciplined than that. Like if he was just like, if he would got the penalty, like just arguing on a, a non-hold. Right. Or a, no, a pass interference that should have been called. Uh, you know, all that kind of stuff, then I'd have been like, ah, you know, come on, coach, you got to be more disciplined. Right. But when you're getting a penalty because you got your players' backs, get it, get two of them if you need <laughs> get to. it. I don't give a crap, get right? it, get it. Uh, because also the other thing too is it was in between plays, so it wouldn't have been like it had been first and 30. If you got two, it just meant you'd have started first and 10 back 30 yards. If that's what it takes to send a message to your team and the opponents that hey you know what I mean like absolutely um, yeah yep so anyway I just i i I, I dug it I dug it I, I would have loved to have had a coach that did that like I, you know I'm getting late hit I'm getting cheap shotted and he's willing to take a 15 yard penalty to have my back I'd have been all about that I've been all about that so anyway but that's about it from today's from uh from today's uh podcast or it, uh, press conference with Brian Kelly I did
1: find it I believe uh okay. it was in the fourth quarter um it was at, on a fourth down so it was on a change of possession obviously because it was a punt situation right um trying to figure out where okay so it was yeah it was let's see pine Pass. so it was after the pine touchdown to austin that's so when
2: 24 13
1: correct Yes, and so it was before the door field goal, the 37-yard oh, okay. field goal. So okay. again, the the game was still in doubt at that point.
2: I mean, so... Out of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Point game with the you know, I think there was about what eight, seven or eight minutes left at least at that point in time. Yes, plenty enough time to get two possessions together.
1: Absolutely. Yep. So yeah, it was. Uh, I I loved it, it I, and I don't even care when it happened in the game. Uh, but well, the only
2: like, thing I meant was. Did you it know, fi-
1: fire everybody up? Yes, that's well, kind of
2: what I was thinking about.
1: <laughs> after that, uh, they had a field goal and uh, two. Well, the defense misses, certainly so. played inspired the
2: rest of the way. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> right. It happened with so, five minutes and twenty seconds left. Yeah. So okay,
2: interesting. Yeah, interesting.
1: So anyway, but yeah, good stuff. Okay, let's talk about college football, Brian. Yes, uh, because yes. this week, you know, it's amazing to me. How usually you get like one weekend with like some upsets and some kind of you know some craziness or whatever, but we've had multiple
2: every already every. So Vince, you and I said before the season that we thought it's going to be a weird year of college football. It's been way more than I even than I thought. I mean, just you know, like Fresno State goes on the road and beats UCLA and then has to play UNLV down to the wire. UNLV is awful. I mean, <laughs> awful. Uh, just, a just a wild, yeah. wild week of college football and another, I mean, it just, it's like, it's like every week, even when they're and the thing is this wasn't supposed to be a great weekend because there weren't a ton of marquee games and well, you had, and, you had I mean, Alabama yeah.
1: Southern Miss Georgia Vanderbilt, like, and I mean, you know, well, Oregon, you Arizona
2: at all thinking like, man, what was I thinking?
1: Maybe I made the wrong they hung
2: 35 thing. up on Clark Lee's team in the first quarter.
1: First, yeah, they,
2: first, they quarter. scored sixty-two, by they called the dogs off after the first quarter.
1: That's bad. Like, they <laughs> Just could've,
2: they could have scored a hundred on Vanderbilt if they wanted. Yeah. To. I'm not, jo- I'm not joking. I'm oh, easily. I mean, if,
1: if you're getting thirty-five a quarter, I mean, I mean, it, it yeah. was bad. Yeah, it was bad.
2: So yeah, Vince, let's talk about some games, man. Let's let's, okay. let's roll. You want to? Well, what we did last time
1: off. is I just kind of started at the top of the AP poll and we started working our way down. I don't okay. know if that's the way you want to go or not. Yeah, we
2: can do that. I mean, so, I mean, obviously, I could care first less three to, could are, not care less to talk yeah. about you know Alabama, Southern Miss, of course, or Georgia Oregon, Arizona, Vanderbilt. or yeah. Georgia Vanderbilt. But yeah, let's do it, man. Well, let's let's, let's start with Oklahoma, a lot West of Virginia, football Saturday night and Sunday. I've watched a lot of college yeah. football, so
1: yep, Oklahoma, West Virginia would be the next on the list. And uh, you know, it's interesting to me. Oklahoma's four zero. They're ranked number four in the country. And people are calling for the starting quarterback's job. Hmm, Sound familiar?
2: Preseason Heisman candidate. You know, (laughs) people talking about being a first-round pick. Yeah. Right. I I love
1: it. I mean, look, is he lighting the world on fire? The fans
2: started calling for the backup quarterback during the game like that.
1: They were chanting his name.
2: Yeah. Caleb Williams is the backup quarterback. Williams. Yeah, Yeah, that's (laughs) – that's not dude, a good look, Oklahoma fans.
1: Yeah, the the, the dude went twenty six of thirty six. He only missed ten passes. Right. Okay. I mean, I I don't know.
2: You know, but there is something. There's something. Uh, I'm trying to think. There's something amiss, right? What's the, <laughs> what's the play? something amiss with the Oklahoma offense? They're just yeah. they're, they're not clicking, and they really yeah. haven't. I mean, I they agree with that. A little bit against Tulane. Tulane doesn't have a very good defense. They obviously clicked against that garbage FCS team they hung 76 on. I mean, the last two weeks, though, their offense has not looked right. They didn't look right. right against Nebraska. They didn't look right against West Virginia, although West Virginia has a salty defense. They had a good defense last year, too. Uh, but they just, I mean, they're not running the ball. I mean, they're not running the ball well for them. Uh, they're still running the ball. I mean, if, if Notre Dame was running the ball like Oklahoma's struggling with their run game on, Notre Dame would be 4-0 and they'd be scoring over 50 points a game. Yeah. I mean, like it's just... It's like struggling for them like a normal team that doesn't have just an abysmal offensive line. I mean... They they've run for 116, 277, 194, and they ran for 57 yards. 57 against yards. If 57. Notre Dame would have ran for 57 yards against Wisconsin, they'd have scored 51 points on offense. <laughs> uh, you know, but there's just something like you you know you'd mentioned Caleb Boy. We- I mean, you mentioned uh, Spencey. Look at me. I'm even falling victim to it. You he know, went, went 26 of 36, but you know he only could do for 256 yards. 7.1 yards per attempt. He was 24 of 34 last week against Nebraska. Which again, I mean, you're you're he's completed over 70 percent of his passes every week, but he's 6.3 yards per attempt last week against Nebraska. So there's clearly something something going on there. I mean, put it to you like this, Vince. Last year, Kate, uh, Spencer Rattler was below eight yards per attempt twice all year.
1: Okay. He's, he's been
2: below that in three of the four games this year yeah. so far.
1: So I mean, he's not playing great. I yeah, but it. I don't
2: think it's him though. He's like, still four and zero. Receivers mm-hmm. aren't getting separation. Yeah, their running back depth chart is a hot mess.
1: Well, they're uh, clearly and, not running yeah, the ball very well. Fifty-seven yeah. yards against West Virginia. Yeah,
2: I mean, and, and Spencer's just got to be more able to attack down the field, and and he's right. not willing to do that right now. So uh, that was, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's a mess. But you know, kudos to West Virginia because I like when teams like that go on the road and they don't back down. They don't play scared. Sure, they had some opportunities to win that game. I mean, no yeah, the, the, the well, Oklahoma won it because basically because the they, they had a bad snap that lost them like thirty yards, which set which set Oklahoma up. So, um, I, I you know, to me, I just they're they they don't look right. But to your point, Vince, they they keep winning. They are 4 right. 0. They keep you know, winning. They're, gonna, they're like Notre Dame, though. They're gonna have to, they're gonna have to step up because their schedule gets kind of real. They play well, at Kansas State yeah. this week, right? Then they play Texas on a neutral field, then home against TCU, and then at Kansas. And then they got to play at Baylor and at Oklahoma State still. So they they better they better step up. But you know, I sometimes, you know, we 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 you know what you know an issue I have, Vince. Sometimes we don't give the opponents enough credit. Fair enough. And I think West Virginia deserves a little bit of credit for that. You know what I sure, mean? Sure. So what, did, did you get a chance to watch much of that game?
1: I watched it. was on while we were doing our podcast. So I kind of okay. had it on like off to the side. So I was kind of keeping an eye on it, you know. Uh, just a lot of bad offense on both sides, to be honest with you. From what I remember watching it, um, I just wasn't all that impressed with any of the offense that I was seeing uh, in that game. So, yeah. you know. But again, what? give credit to West Virginia I have no yeah. problem with
2: that I mean West Virginia but, doesn't have much of an offense anyway I mean their yeah. offense is just kind of okay
1: my, my takeaway from the whole thing is that Oklahoma is still a flawed football team and it, you know it yes. kind of goes to the narrative of that the, the, the quote-unquote top teams right now they have flaws right I mean look Alabama would would be the least flawed so far of, of all the teams uh but you know there's flaws on these top teams and Oklahoma definitely exemplifies
2: that point to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, Georgia and Alabama are the two least flawed teams right now. Sure. I'd say Oregon's Oregon's next, but even Oregon needed a a strong fourth quarter to pull away from an Arizona team. That's just like has the longest winning streak in the FBA power five right now. I mean, it's almost two full seasons at this point in time.
1: Right. So, right. yeah, I had to put yeah, 17 but, on the board in but the fourth that's gonna, quarter. That's
2: going to happen. I mean, th- th- they're not flawed. I just don't think they played well. I think they had kind of had some high leverage game. You know, Fresno battled them. Ohio State was an emotional game. Sometimes you're just going to have that, that, that kind of deal. Well, speak,
1: speaking of that kind of deal, uh, are we going to give credit to Colorado State uh, going into <laughs> no, Iowa?
2: Iowa's offense has stunk all year. <laughs> I mean, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Like they won a game and scored like thirty points, and they had like less than two hundred yards of offense. That, that is one of the most overrated teams in the country, in my opinion. I know there's some and people the are going to get fifth, real salty about that.
1: They're the fifth-ranked team in the they're country. They're an
2: ugly team. And, and you know what the problem is, is we're still – like I'm going to actually release an Irish breakdown top 25 today, and it's it's really hard to do because it's almost impossible to remove your preseason bias from, from things. Sure. You know, like I'm going to have Oklahoma higher. Well, does Oklahoma really deserve to be based on how they've done this year? No, but I still have some preseason bias. And that's all I think what's happening uh, with Iowa is – they're looking at that Iowa state game as some big win. Right. And clearly it wasn't now. I mean, they barely beat Northern Illinois. They got smacked by Iowa. They lost by double digits. To Iowa and Iowa they don't even think they got the 200 yards total offense. Right. You know, they just got smacked. You know, they just got beat by Baylor. Who's okay. You know, Dave Rand is doing a real nice job turning that program around, but this is not a Baylor art Briles team, right? It's a, it's an okay team. That's going to still lose several, several games in that league. And, and you know, I, was, I would You know, struggle. I mean, they struggled. Ten point win at the end, but they struggled with Colorado State, who stinks, right. by the way. <laughs> right. Who they're blew a two three. touchdown lead to Vanderbilt?
1: They're one and three. Yeah. Okay? They're one terrible. and three.
2: Yeah. They're terrible. Offen- Iowa's offense and somebody somebody said it in our our chat on Saturday or Friday, but Iowa's going to get there soon because they're going to start playing some teams that 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 that, that aren't awful. Here real soon, and that unless their offense can figure. I mean, because like,
1: they Iowa's not State. running the ball right.
2: now.
1: <laughs> they, yeah, they play. I mean, they play Penn State. They play Wisconsin. Yeah. they you know, they play Purdue. I, all of those could be potential. Iowa has losses, one of the best of those.
2: running backs in the country, so, you know, supposedly, and, and I think he is. I shouldn't say supposedly because I, I think Tyler Goodson's a really good player. They got one of the best supposedly, supposedly offensive lines in the country, and they they ran for 158 yards against Indiana, 4.4 yards per carry. They ran for 67 yards against Iowa State, 1.7 yards per carry, 206 against Kent State. Come on. And then they ran for 54 at 1.7 yards per carry against Colorado State. Right. Colorado State. Yes. So, um, and I get that Notre Dame is a team that just rushed for three yards. <laughs> but fair enough. We're, we're we're banging Notre Dame. We're we're saying Notre Dame is a flawed team because of that. Uh, but you know, I mean at least Notre Dame can do some other things well. I I don't even think I don't even think that their that you know their pass game doesn't do a whole lot for me. I just I'm not a big Iowa fan. This team is not this team doesn't do it for me. But yes, kudos to Colorado State for exposing Iowa as an under overrated team.
1: Well, sure, and I mean, look, they, they're going to Maryland next week. They probably win that game. I'm not overly enthusiastic about Maryland, but then the rubber beats the. I'm mm-hmm. I'm gonna, with I'm that gonna state. disagree
2: with you on that one. Really? Uh, yes, Maryland's four zero. Okay, uh, they beat West Virginia, which now looks like a much better win. Now, in my opinion, okay, uh, you know, because again, look look at look at what West Virginia's done so far, right? West Virginia lost on the road by six points to to Maryland, and then they lost a tough road game against uh Oklahoma but then they beat Virginia Tech who was ranked and then they destroyed was it Long Island U which but you know I mean they're, they they and, and, and you know look they didn't look great against Illinois but they got the W yeah right? they won by and, 3 and, and they smacked Kent State pretty good uh, th- and they've got some they've got some athletes the the thing okay. that the thing that about Maryland that we're going to find out this weekend is we've seen Maryland kind of have starts like this before and then just completely collapse Right. You know, like I remember, it was it 19? They beat Howard 79 nothing. Then they played a Syracuse team that I think was ranked going into the season. Cause remember, Syracuse is coming off that 10 win season and they beat them like 63 to 20. Maryland <laughs> did. And you're like, right. wow. And I think they jumped into the top 25. And then they go play Temple the next week and lose to Temple and then just like lost won one game the rest of the year. And, and, you know, they, they, they you know, they start off uh in 2018 they beat Texas, right? Remember Texas was a preseason top 10 team, beat Bowling Green, then they lost to Temple and then bounced back with a win over Minnesota. They're 3 and 1, looks like a great start and then they won two of their next eight, you know, eight games. Uh they're a weird team, yeah. but they're also a talented team. And and at, at, on, on offense, you know, Tua's little brother ha, is playing really well. You know, they got a couple receivers that are really good. Dante Demas is a really good player. Rakeem Jarrett was a five-star recruit that that flipped from went from L, you know, flipped. He was from DC, but he was committed to LSU, flipped to Maryland. So they've got some athletes. We're gonna find out if Mike Loxley knows how to get these guys ready to play this weekend, Vince, because they have they have I think they've looked good so far. Uh, but it but this weekend is gonna be the so I I guess I don't necessarily say – I disagree with you on how they look so far. I don't necessarily – I'm not necessarily saying I expect them to win this weekend. I was going to say, the is is the upset kind of alert? Is the, Iowa yes, on upset is alert kind of here? Game, I, if Maryland plays like they have so far this season, yeah, because okay. you don't got to score a ton to beat Iowa. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing, you know. True. And the thing I liked about Maryland, too, that is different is West Virginia was kind of doing some things that you, you say in the past, you say, oh, this is where Maryland folds. They didn't fold. Uh, same thing with Illinois. They are playing like crap, but they did what they needed to do to win at the end. Those are games that they would lose in the past. Right. And so I'm going to give them credit for that. But, you know, we're really going to find out this weekend if they're for real. But I, I the, my disagreement is not so much that they're going to beat Iowa. It's more so that I actually have liked what I've seen from them so far this year.
1: See, I feel like if, if Iowa loses to Maryland, it's because they're looking forward to the following week against Penn State. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, this is yeah. this is your typical trap game for yeah. Iowa. You know? Yeah. So
2: because I wonder how many of the players feel the same way about Maryland that you do.
1: Right. Exactly. Right.
2: I mean, that's a very good point. Vince. Yeah. Very good point. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get to right. some more games. Let's let's talk about some more games. I, I, do
1: you, you want to talk Penn State Villanova? Because that wasn't much of a contest. But I mean, if you want to give your I don't thoughts talk on about, Penn about State. any
2: FBS games, I I, I want to see. Penn. I I still don't know what to make of Penn State.
1: OK, that's what I wanted to know. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean,
2: I thought that their win over Maryland or Wisconsin was more about Wisconsin pissing that game away than it was about them beating them. Um, I thought I don't I don't think much of Auburn right now, uh, but they ha- but they're doing what they need to do right. That's the big sure. thing is they played an FBS team this weekend. It's a good FBS team. Villanova is usually a pretty good FBS team, but you know they did what they needed to do. I, I just sure. I'm not sold on them so much right now, but. I feel that way. I mean, Vince, you could just kind of insert that on everybody. I'm not sold on that team yet. I'm, if your name's not Georgia, Alabama, or Oregon, I'm not sold on you yet. I mean, that's where I'm at right now. Right. You know, um, that
1: only leaves one spot open in the college football yeah. playoffs. So, I yeah. mean, well, there's
2: gonna be a lot of there's gonna be a lot of uh, games coming up here soon. Where we're gonna the contenders and pretenders are gonna you're get, gonna kind of thin the herd out a little up. bit. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Right. Okay. So the next yeah. one on the list is the one that you called would be Arkansas, Texas A and M. Yeah. With Arkansas pretty much putting a whooping on Texas A and I I don't yep. know. I mean, they didn't have a lead at any point in the game. No, I mean it was seventeen
2: um, nothing early, yeah. and uh, it's twenty to ten was the final. And, I mean, Ar- I mean Texas Arkansas they too lost
1: back, but they but didn't.
2: That Arkansas you know. was playing out their starting quarterback. He got hurt right like in the third quarter, and and they kind of just went like, let's run the clock out kind of thing because their backup quarterback's a runner. He can't. He's not really a thrower. And this the, the whole reason why I, I predicted them to lose, Vince was. Number one, Arkansas has two things to beat Texas A&M. They have really good skill, right? Traylon Burks is a really good receiver. He had a huge play in the game. They have really good skill and a quarterback that's athletic and willing to take some shots, K.J. Jefferson. If you remember correctly, I loved K.J. coming out of high school. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing, too, is Texas A&M, they have a salty defense. They're not a great defense, but they have a salty defense, and Texas A&M's offense is garbage. This is a team that scored 10 points against Colorado. Okay, Their offense is garbage. And I, I, I didn't think you needed to score much to beat them. And that's exactly what happened. You don't have, they, to, they you didn't. Don't have to score much to beat them. But Arkansas, the eight, Ar- it is amazing. This is a team that used to just self-destruct every single week. Whenever adversity happened, that team would just fold. And Sam Pittman has them playing hard.
1: Yeah, I, I'm I impressed. Mean, because where they came from when you and I did the pre-game show, or not pre-game, but pre-season show on Arkansas, to where they are now, I mean – Light years, light years mm-hmm. different. Um, I, I was, I was pretty shocked because you know, look, I, I'll be the first one to admit I'm not following Arkansas and what they're what they're doing between last year and up to this point. I, I looked at Arkansas going into last year and looked at it being a route from Notre Dame, mm-hmm. and and then I stopped paying attention. So and it would have been last year. I'm impressed.
2: <laughs> it I would mean, have been, It would have been a route last year. Yeah. This yeah. Year, oh, absolutely. Not so much.
1: Agreed. Okay, so next next game is the big one. Can, can we just
2: say this real quick? Please. This is why we said before the season, Texas A&M is overrated. They were getting way too much hype. They, they got no offense. How good your defense is when your offense right. is that bad, it doesn't matter how good your defense is.
1: Right. Yep. And we look. We we talked about that formula a long time ago. Defense doesn't win championships anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you defense will get you to a good spot, but offense needs to carry you the rest of the way. And they. Clearly, don't have an mm-hmm. offense that's going to do that. So, it's going to be a long season for AM. They just, you know, <laughs> they got a piece yes. of it today, or I mean, on Saturday, but yes. uh, on a it, neutral field, more yeah, will it, be coming. I, I have yes. a feeling. Yeah. So. Well, they
2: got Mississippi State at home this weekend, and then t- October 9th, that team from Tuscaloosa comes to comes to town. So, it's going to be an epic beatdown.
1: Um, okay the big one the big upset of the weekend was nc state double overtime victory over clemson 27 to 21 clemson's offense just continues to struggle and i mean look That's we knew this i know we knew the clemson defense was go, was going to be good okay and they are they are good okay saturday was the first time they've given up an offensive touchdown right they're good yeah. but the the offense is i mean Former five-star quarterback DJ Uyunglele only puts up 111 yards on 12 of 26. 12 of 26, a 4.3-yard average, okay? I I just – that's not going to get it done at any level of football, let alone
2: as a top five, top ten team. Vince, you know, he has yet to get to 200 yards passing in a game.
1: That's my – like, based on what we saw against Notre Dame last year, okay, just that, just that little piece – I'm shocked. Look, I, I never thought that he was going to be Trevor Lawrence. I never thought that he was going to be a mobile quarterback and be able to do things. But I thought he could stand in the pocket and sling the rock. Yeah. And he can't even do that right now.
2: This is what we always say. Don't assume because the guy did A as a backup quarterback off the bench that he's going to do A <laughs> when he becomes a starter.
1: Well played, sir.
2: I've been saying this for a million times. And 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 this isn't about DJ, though. This is a couple things. Number one is there's way too much hype on him. Number one, he's a red shirt. He's basically a sophomore, right? Who played had two starts, and that's really all he sure. all he did last year. Offensive line is terrible, and if Jack Cohn is a fifth year senior is struggling to play behind a porous offensive line, imagine being a sophomore, sure, who played at the best high, one of the best five best high school teams in the country. He was never rattled like this. He didn't play at Sayville High School in New York, right, where he was, you know, Jack Cohen was playing against a bunch of guys who are never going to play college football at any level, right? This kid played at St. John Bosco, where right. every time they took the field, they were significantly more talented than anybody they played except maybe once or twice. And, and he's got a terrible offensive line, and they're having the same problem that is my fear about Notre Dame in the future, which is they have a bunch of receivers that do the exact same thing. And when your offensive line isn't good and you don't have guys like Amari Rogers or Ray Ray McLeod or Hunter Renfro and your offense is just built around vertical guys. Well, guess what? You don't have time to get the ball out to them. Yeah. And then you're asking those guys to do things like bubbles and quick stuff. And that's just not Joseph Engada is not that kind of guy. You're trying to make him be that guy. And he's not that guy. Their their running back depth chart is a mess. Because of injuries and and guys transferring out, they got one dimensional receivers. They have it's like they started recruiting big like big names and went away from building their depth chart with what got them there, which was speed and playmaking ability. They got a bunch of big guys, and uh it's just it's been I mean, it's just everything that could go, and I'm gonna say something else. Okay, with all due respect, it's like so sometimes. Like, okay, I'll say this. I'll use our show for an example. I did my own show for a while, and I, I it was fine, it was whatever, but I, di- I didn't like doing it because it was just me. Uh, you could go do your own show, and maybe it'll be great, but maybe it's not. But I think sometimes people work better together, right? Yeah. I feel J- Tony Elliott and Jeff Scott are two guys that separate are not necessarily great coaches, but when they were together, they just had that connection, and they were a great combination. The Clemson offense has not been the same since Jeff since Jeff Scott left for South Florida. Jeff Scott's not doing anything in South Florida either. Right. And it's not so much that, oh, it was always Jeff Scott all along. No, I think Tony Ellick's a really smart guy. But when you've got that guy that you kind of c- came up with, they were young assistants together under under um oh the Chad Morris, and then they took over as co coordinators and they worked great together. And sometimes you lose that that second voice, you know what I mean? And that guy that you counseled or you counted on and and you know just sure. run ideas by and, and they don't have that now.
1: Yeah. There's something. And to their be said offense with that.
2: has not been the same. And what we said this summer was Trevor Lawrence and to a degree, Travis Etienne hit a lot of warts that <laughs> were there. And this is what we've we talked about. This did I think they were gonna be this bad on offense, Vince? No. Did you and I say they weren't gonna be as good this year as people think they were? They're gonna take a step back? Yes. I didn't think it was going to be this big of a step back.
1: Right, so, exactly. That's
2: been the surprise for me. Like, yeah, they're not throwing it, but they're also not running it. I mean, they're not <laughs> doing anything. It's it's like, whew. And this is why I said a couple weeks ago, I'd much rather be Notre Dame right now than Clemson. And some people laughed and said, oh, you're crazy. And I'm like, okay, how you feel about that now? <laughs> they just lost to NC State, who got smacked by Mississippi State two weeks ago. Right. Right, so –
1: yeah, absolutely. I, I mean it, this is I don't want to say this is the beginning of the end for Clemson and their run, but they're gonna have a tough time, I think, getting back to the elite status. There's you know, they're still gonna be in contention and they're still gonna be hanging around for a while. But I think the elite part of things might be over for a little
2: bit. I think he needs to it depends on how he handles this offseason. Okay. I think if he if he's unwilling to make some changes, like there was a time it was around like 13 and 14, like Alabama went two years without winning a title and people were losing their minds. Yeah, right. And, and Saban made some changes to the program that kind of got them going again. Dabo's going to have to do that. I think it's gotten a little stale. Their recruiting hasn't been quite as good on offense the last couple sure. of years you know, they're getting big names, but not necessarily like one thing that Clemson did so well early in the 2010s into the middle, like to the, to up to the point of their run starting is, yeah, they would get the big names, but they also mix those guys in with some really good, you know, uh, role players. They would go out and find the Isaiah Simmons is the three-star kids that had great athleticism that they've developed. Now they're just going after the big name recruits. It seems like more often than not. And it's like, you know, it just, it's kind of puzzling what they're doing right yeah. now, recruiting wise. Right. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he it's, it's, it just feels like trouble.
1: they're losing their way a little bit to me. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, you know, it got,
2: time will it's tell. like it's stale. Yes. You know, exactly
1: it's, correct. Yep. I'll I agree. say some,
2: I think part of the problem is I think playing in the ACC has masked some problems too.
1: Right. Right.
2: And because and, and, there's and, such a
1: disparity between Clemson and, and everybody yeah. else. I mean, yeah. at least for the last
2: you're still blowing people out years, you know, yeah. like, eh, yeah, but there's the, the the Ohio State game last year should have been the wake up call for them, in my opinion, because they were embarrassed like LSU the year before LSU was just a better team. I mean, Clemson yeah. battled and had a lead early. I mean, for a decent amount of the first half, Clemson was pinning LSU back and and playing good D. I think they had like a 17.7 lead at one point time. It just LSU was a better team. Yeah, they were embarrassed by Ohio State last year, and I don't think Ohio State was necessarily that good of a team, as we found out against Alabama. They just they True. made they made Clemson look bad. That should have been his wake up call. That hey, we got to do something different. There's something right. stale here that we got to fix, and if it's definitely going to have to happen now. Yeah.
1: Well, as I peruse down the list here, uh, I think Ohio State-Akron, probably not going to talk about that one. Other uh, than
2: Kevon Pope losing his freaking mind, they kicked him <laughs> off the team today. Big shocker.
1: Oh, really? What yeah, happened there? He, Help so me out.
2: Apparently, he was supposed to go on the field, and, and a player waved him off, and he went and just like lost his mind on the sideline, took his jersey off, threw it in the sideline, went up and oh. got Ryan's uh, day's face, and he's like, yep, get out of here. Threw Are you his gloves me? off, Went to the locker room and tweeted, F-U-C-C, Ohio State. From from his Twitter account, like they had to escort him off the field, and he eventually went back and said, "I'm sorry, I lost my cool." It's like, yeah, you you can apologize, but some,
1: but it ain't some, happening.
2: Sometimes there's just there's no coming back from that. Yeah, here. you know. Wow. And he 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 not only crossed the he not only burnt that bridge, he dropped an atomic bomb on it. I'm no kidding. And then launched three tomahawks afterwards, just in case there was something left over, just to make I mean, sure it was bad. It was bad. I got
1: a lot to say about that, but I just – Yeah. I don't know. It enhances my thoughts of of Ohio State. Yes. It just does. I I... Anyway, uh, Florida took care of business against Tennessee in the Swamp. Uh, That one was never really close. Tennessee had a lead briefly in the second quarter, but um, that – I mean – Tennessee yeah. still a ways away yet. Yep. Uh, I think from any kind of relevance. Yep. Uh, I'm
2: gonna I'm gonna give two thoughts to skip ahead because I want to get some th- your thoughts because I know you got to leave here soon. Yeah. So, okay. Michigan, Rutgers. I'm not gonna overreact too much. Is Rutgers just better than we think? Is Michigan just do they have an off game? We're gonna find out this weekend. Uh, we N- Nebraska completely dominated Michigan State in the second half and pissed away an opportunity to get an upset win. Just pissed it away. The game I want to talk about. Okay. Georgia Tech curb stopping <laughs> North Carolina did okay. you watch me that game it I did was not, not competitive
1: I did not see that game and but it's one that I had planned on going back and watching some of because of the outcome I 45 mean
2: 45 to 22
1: where, where did the yellow jackets come from I mean I, I realized how two do you and two? lose
2: to northern Illinois and then almost beat Clemson at Clemson and then right they- curb stomp North Carolina but how That's bad is saying. North Carolina's defense can we finally dispense with the Jay Bateman's a great defensive coordinator conversation <laughs> like there were people advocating for that guy to be hired and I know this is a personal bias I don't dislike Jay Bateman personally but I coached against Jay Bateman and we put 600 plus yards on Jay Bateman's defense okay and I know it was one double a whatever but I've never seen anything different he was an army and yeah and I'm like people are talking about him being a another name guy and I'm like no no, I'm sorry. Their defense was gar- – and they, they do not play inspired football. When they get hit in the mouth – I've noticed this this year. When they start fast like they did against Virginia last week, they're good. But if you punch them in the mouth early, they fold. Yeah. And that surprises me a little bit.
1: Well, they gave up just shy of 400 yards yes. to Georgia stinking tech. Yes. Okay. Yes. Now, here here's, here here are my, my my overall thoughts about this game. I am no longer worried about the North Carolina game. I'm really not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm more worried about the Georgia Tech game than I was I'm at not. the beginning of the season. I'm I, not. That, that's where I'm at.
2: That's just how bad. If, when you watch the I want you to watch the game okay. and come back and talk to me about that. Okay. I, think, I know you. I know you know football. I know how you think. Yeah. If you're going to watch I'd be like, no, North Carolina just sucked. <laughs> Because you're going to be like, yeah, of course. We know that they got weapons. You know, Jeff Sims is a really athletic quarterback. But this was not. I mean, Georgia Tech played hard and all that. But you're not going to be worried about Georgia Tech. You're just going to be like, okay. wow, North Carolina sucks. Okay, they're they're bad, and their offensive but, line is not yeah. physical at all. And hey, and it's like, oh, you know, hey, look, Javante Williams and Michael Carter aren't walking through that door. You know what I mean? Like, let you know, uh, Julius Peppers and Dre Bly aren't working through through that. Well, Dre is, but he's an assistant coach now. You yeah, know, he he's not he doesn't, point doesn't point. have the
1: pads on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right.
2: Uh, you know, I mean, it, it it was embarrassing. Like, I mean, they only had sixty
1: three yards rushing. Yes, I mean, yes. that's that is embarrassing considering you just graduated two thousand yard rushers. Yes, I mean, and it was look th- th- those running backs were good, but it was ve- it was scheme based too. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest, it well, was Genante scheme based.
2: Williams was especially really good.
1: Yeah, these but,
2: next couple games they're going to be able to get healthy. They play Duke at home, Florida State at home, and then Miami at home before they played Notre Dame, you know, okay. they're flaunted by a week. So, I'm, I'm curious to see how it. they mentally bounce back this week. Okay, and and I know you got to go, but I'm gonna tell you what, Vince. Another game I want you to watch, I want okay. you to watch Wake Forest. They are legit,
1: really, they okay. are
2: legit. They are for, for an ACC. I mean, they're not going to go you know, make the college football play and win a title. I'm just in the ACC right. for the ACC title. They're legit. The ACC to me is done. Uh, I don't see Wake Forest going. I mean, if, if Wake Forest and BC go undefeated, yeah, they'll they'll be in the playoff, but they're not going undefeated. The ACC's done, yeah. which is good for Notre Dame.
0: But oh, yeah, I want you to
2: watch Wake Forest just from an okay. ACC context. They're legit within the ACC. I want you to watch them and and they have fewer career returning starts than Notre Dame. They're consistently less experienced than Notre Dame across the board, and yet they're scoring and running and doing all that kind of stuff. So, mm. uh, yeah, I want you to I want you to check them out. Okay, I, I can do
1: that. Yeah. I can definitely do that. So, yeah, because that was definitely
2: a game this weekend that I thought was uh, was interesting. Okay, Very fair interesting. enough. I will. I'm writing it down. Yes. Wake. Yes. And UNC Texas hung seventy on Texas Tech. That was another interesting takeaway from the weekend. Texas, uh, good yeah. Lord. And then, uh, and that that loss to Arkansas looks a lot better right now. Oklahoma continues to win ugly, upset uh, Kansas State and UCLA. Our sleeper team for the season is now three and zero with an eleven point win at Stanford. Stanford falls to two and two. So that was another one. And how about Georgia State almost beating Auburn?
1: Oh, yeah. They had that to get some was... home
2: cooking to, to win that game. Yes, they
1: did. They had to score 15 in yeah. the fourth quarter just to win that the game. props
2: on the coach for Georgia State calling that out, too. Like, well, they got some SEC home cooking. He said that after the game. It was beautiful. So, Go ahead anyway, and find him. I know you got a role. That was, this was a fun show. I, I, we yeah, we need to not talk as much about Brian Kelly next time and talk more about the weekend <laughs> right? games. I know, I uh, know. Because this is a lot of fun. There were still so many other games I wanted to talk about from this weekend. Uh, SMU beat TCU on the road. Um, I mean, just some. Some Toledo got a W, and um, and Florida State is 0 and freaking four. They lost at home to Louisville. They're so just, bad. They are. So
1: bad. I mean, can you imagine if Notre Dame would have blown that one? Oh can you, I mean we'd be having a way different oh, conversation and, and right now. We're gonna
2: end it with this, Vince. How about those Beavers, baby? <laughs>
1: Putting a hurting on the Trojans, oh man. Oh my Holy gosh! Cow. I
2: so thoroughly enjoyed, it. and it wasn't oh. even really close. I mean, like Oregon State was the better team. Oregon State, they were the better team. I mean, they were the. They came out in the second half, and USC made no adjustments. And jo- Jonathan Smith coached circles around uh, Todd Orlando in the second half of that game. Yeah, and, whatever was and left. Pete is so overrated. so's Graham Harrell. Uh they that was embarrassing. And I'm curious, Vince. I have a feeling USC is just gonna implode. Love it. My fear was that love the, it. You, you get the new coach and like they just oh, I've got nothing to lose and they just right. blow, lose and all that. Nope. They're gonna implode because no. they gotta play that. at Colorado this week and then uh, home against Utah before they get a buy and they gotta come to Notre Dame. So anyway, we had, to end that. we had to end it with USC getting curb stomped by Oregon freaking state fantastic who lost to Purdue. I'm just Fantastic.
1: saying. Fantastic. I'm
2: just saying.
1: Yeah, and it, it wasn't all that close against Purdue either. Yes, and, uh,
2: yes. Oregon, that's that's right. Oregon, D-Rock. Oregon State had not won in the Coliseum in 61 years.
1: It's crazy. Because it Oregon State's 60s. not a good team. No, no.
2: <laughs> Even when they had, I mean, when they had Chad Johnson and all of them, those guys, I mean, USC was kind of just starting their great run. But still, 61 years. Yeah, exactly. And then the 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 fan attendance was an th- that program is done for now. And I don't know who's going to take that job, but it's it's they're done. So I enjoyed yeah. that thoroughly. And that's a great way to end our show today. Before you leave, hit the like button, hit the subscribe bell, hit the notification bell if you're listening via podcast. Give us a five-star review and of course, sign up for our message board at, 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 at uh, boards.irishbreakdown.com. for Vince um Brian Everybody have a great rest of your day. We will talk to you again tomorrow. We're going to dive into Notre Dame and Cincinnati events. It is a big, big week. This could be the week that determines if Notre Dame is going to be a playoff team, and we're going to explain that to you all, why that is over these next few shows. So, Vince, get back to class. Yes, sir. Talk to you soon, buddy. Bye. Take care, everybody.